Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I am John, and I am here with perhaps the biggest awesome interview that I have done today. I can't introduce this ho- uh, our, our guest today without a little bit of a preamble, just because uh, of how important this person has been to me and my my childhood and. Yeah, their their voice that, or at least some iteration of their voice, has been in my mind for almost as long as my own. And you know, I'm I'm now 41 years old. I am at the age where a lot of people start to wonder if their life has reached its peak. If if you know they've already had the best that it's ever going to be. And uh, I I might just be doing. I might be hitting my peak in front of a microphone, you know, talking talking to all of our listeners. Um, because today I get to talk to someone who, in addition to being an actor and an author, has, you know, provided, you know, they they, they have done announcing for the Oscars, <laughs> the Emmys, the American Film Institute Awards someone who has had huge indelible imprints on popular culture especially for my generation and on top of all that he's also been a goddamn radio broadcaster goddamn radio announcer um neil ross it is an honor thank you so much for taking the time oh my pleasure we should probably explain the goddamn radio announcer thing it's out of my book it's something that happened to me when i was in los angeles attempting to make the transition from being a disc jockey and becoming a voice actor voice artist voiceover person and i played my uh, demo tape my commercial demo tape for an agent and he he just stared at me with this look of hatred and disgust and in the same tone of voice you would use to say child molester he said you sound like a goddamn radio announcer and i in all my naivety i sat there and i said well what's wrong with that i mean that's what i am and then he began to explain to me that that is exactly what the advertisers who cast these various commercials and projects that's the last thing they want is a radio announcer well, then what do they want? And then that began the great journey that continues to this very day. But uh, so that's that's the reason for the the goddamn. Yeah, I, I we're we're going to be referencing his book uh, probably quite a bit. Um, I I I'm happy to report I did I did my reading cover to cover, every word, every sentence, every line, all, all the way through the index. Well, you are a committed man. I'm telling you, I think that book is longer than War and Peace. It, I, uh... It's it's a chunk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a compliment, Neil, that I don't think you you would expect, though. When, when I was much younger, especially in, in school, um, I was a very avid reader. I kind of grew up in sort of the in-between time where, like, you know, growing up, the internet wasn't the ubiquitous monolith that it is now and 
you know, we didn't have podcasts, we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have on-demand video streaming and entertainment. So I was a I was a very avid reader um, in my youth, and I would usually uh, because you know one one of my other hobbies was playing video games, and what I liked to do, especially since I was a shy kid that didn't have a lot of friends, is I would do my reading at school. You know, especially if there were assignments or something like that, I'd I'd even read ahead because I, I was just a nerdy little kiss ass. <laughs> that wanted to make all of his teachers happy. And I, I've read a lot. I've read, you know, a lot of different types of books. Your your book, and I'm not saying this to dissuade anyone, I am going to encourage all of our listeners, please, please, please go out and buy Vocal Recall, A Life in Radio and Voiceovers by Neil Ross. Um, we will put the link to it uh, in the episode description please go out and buy is 575 pages and as i said i read every single word you you got me you you, (laughs) your story was interesting and you did a great job of telling it you got me there through the end it wasn't like i was like oh god thank god it's over it was like i i was compelled to read through all of it that is something i cannot say for other books i have read so-called classics like test of the durbervilles which i think i wrote read three paragraphs of and fell asleep or Ulysses, which I just straight up refused to read and and told my teacher, I am not reading this bull crap. Uh, (laughs) Ulysses by James Joyce is, it's a difficult read and, and a frustrating read. Uh, (laughs) But, but you, sir, you got me, you got me through it. You got me through it. Well, thank you. I, it's it's it, I could have been a writer, I think, except I, I lack the 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 requisite. Uh, well, I'm also bone lazy. I mean, it's a lonely life. You got to closet yourself in a room and, and and just type or write or however you do it. But the other thing is, I never seem to be able to dream up good plots. You know, I could I just couldn't do fiction because I I think of a story and I start going, I go, that's corny, that wouldn't work, and pretty soon I talk myself out of it. And sometimes I'm watching a television show and something will go on. I go, wow, you know, that's that's kind of a corny plot twist. I would never have gone for that. But there it is on television, you know. So maybe I'm selling myself short. But that's the, the reason I was able to write this book is it's my story. So all I had to do was rummage around in what's left of my brain and extricate the information and then write it up. But I, like you, was a, a voracious reader when I was a kid. And I, the one thing I was pretty good at was uh, English class. I, I, I just knew how to put a sentence together. It's like music in a way. I wish I had that kind of talent for music, but you can just look at a sentence and say, does this work or not? I, you know, and I, I never really learned any of the rules. I just seemed to know. Spelling, same thing. I never had to study. I could just sort of look at a word and, uh, you know, 90% of the time I can tell if it's spelled correctly or not. And uh, it was just a gift, but it's one I never took advantage of until I wrote this book, which was really an accident. I, I tell people it, was a, it started out as a monologue and got out of hand, but the truth is I reread something that I, I wrote a long thing about my relationship with my parents, and let's not get into that, but it ended up being over 100 pages, and, and that's what really sort of clued me in that I could maybe write a, at least this book. You know, writing a book is a daunting 
uh, idea. But I thought, I think, I think I could do this. And then I proceeded to do it a chapter at a time. It was just, you know, I'll just do this chapter. If that's as far as it goes, that's as far as it goes. And then I would start thinking of the next chapter. And, you know, it was very lazy. I just wrote when I felt like it, you know, unlike I'm told disciplined writers carve out a three or four hour block in their day and they cannot be disturbed. This is when I write. I don't care if the world is ending. Don't disturb me. I'm writing. I didn't do that. I just did it when I felt like it, which is another reason, I guess, why I'm not destined to be a professional writer. But anyway, it's a long winded answer to a question. I don't think you asked. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Um, you you have free reign to to talk as much as you want. You you are the person they are here for, not for me. But oh, don't sell yourself short. You're a charming host. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. So I will go ahead and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and cheat a little bit here because I know I I've read the textbook. I know the answers. I studied for the test, <laughs> but I still have to ask the questions. Um, and one of one of the things that I think is really fascinating. I usually like to ask my guests what made them take an interest in acting, but it's impossible to get there without talking about your love of music and and how that started. And I was hoping you could share a little bit of, of sort of that pivotal moment that you talk about in your book, where you know music really grabbed you for the first time. Yes, it. Uh, I, I quote uh, the late Lenny Kilmister from um, Motorhead, who uh, was apparently having a conversation with a much younger musician and said something along the lines of, you know, the difference between you and me is I remember when there was no rock and roll. You don't, but I remember, and it was effing horrible. <laughs> I lived through that era too. You turn on the radio and just hear these insipid songs, the one that completely epitomizes it for me is patty page's immortal recording how much is that doggy in the window <laughs> uh you know i I, inv I invite people to find that on youtube i mean that was the big hit uh, you know and so i i wouldn't listen to music on radio it bored the bejesus out of me i would tune around and listen to people talking and i would start imitating the voices that i heard which was sort of the beginning of everything I didn't realize it at the time. It was just a compulsion. Some kids uh, build model airplanes. I sat in my room and did weird voices. And I've talked myself into a corner here. Where was I going with this? Oh, yes, of course, you asked about it. So then one day, I'm at a friend's house, and his older sister comes in and flips the radio on. And almost immediately, this song came on. And it was the first piece of music that ever touched me. And I mean, this didn't just touch me. It it hit me from the t toes all the way up to the to my hair. I mean, I it's like I I was on fire, and I couldn't get enough of it. Well, this was uh, Little Richard and Tutti Frutti, and that was the first time I heard rock and roll. And rock and roll spoke to me in a way that no music ever had up until that point. Once in a while, if I was exposed to some kind of up-tempo classical music, I would think, well, this would make a good background for a Western, you know. But other than that, it just meant nothing to me. And suddenly, I heard this amazing record. And then I learned, well, there are other records kind of like this, maybe not quite as good, but there's a whole sort of genre of music, and it's called rock and roll. And uh, 
I became an avid uh, listener. Over time, uh, I began to focus more and more on the people who presented uh, the music, the disc jockeys. I found uh, the whole thing fascinating. Uh, A guy could just sit in a room and spin records and uh, say funny stuff off the top of his head and be very entertaining, some of them. And eventually that morphed into me saying, geez, maybe I could do that. And that was the only thing that, other than that, I had an offer to move furniture when I, um, or deliver furniture when I got out of high school. I sometimes wonder what would have happened if I'd pursued that that profession. But anyway, it got me up off my keister, out of the house and into the radio business for better or for worse. And I did that for 20 some years. And along the way, I began to hear about this marvelous business called voiceovers. Uh, I had wondered about people I heard on commercials. I had wondered about people who narrated documentaries, people who supplied the voices for the animated uh, cartoon shows. And I had a working theory, well, maybe they're just uh, on-camera actors who are moonlighting on the side, which was probably true in a few cases, but I had no idea that there was a separate business unto itself called voiceovers. And then I found out at a certain point that it existed. And at that point, it was like, this is really where I ought to be. Because by this time, I had realized it was only using about 40% of what I had to offer in radio. If I tried to offer any more, they'd they'd say, no, we don't want that. Just read the liner card, dummy, and spin the record. And so I, I, I put on this full court press to get into the voiceover business, which was not easy. It's never been easy. It's still insanely difficult, but I was lucky. I managed to get in and had a wonderful ride. Uh, Did, um, you know, people who were just tuning in are wondering, well, who the hell is this guy? So probably I'm best known in animation for uh, Voltron, uh, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Spider-Man done a ton of other stuff but those are the ones that the fans keep referencing at conventions and what have you and um along the way did a lot of commercials i did every kind of voiceover there is as far as anything exists that i didn't do i'm I'm not aware of it uh even up to uh, becoming a game show announcer very late in my career on a show called press your luck but um you know, supplied voices for movies. People say, what's the best known thing you've ever done? Well, I did announce the Academy Awards and that was a thrill ride, but it was one year and it was a long time ago. But if I say, well, I'm the voice of the Biff Tannen Museum, in fact, <laughs> think too, everybody goes, oh, that's you? Okay. You know, it's the, seems to be the one thing everybody's aware of to a yeah. greater or lesser degree. So, uh, again, long-winded answer to your But that's sort of the career trajectory that I had and that I talk about in the book. One of the things that comes out really clearly in the book when you're talking about that journey from hearing Little Richard to, you know, your decision to work in radio and then later voiceover is how hard you worked to get into those fields and to get to where you eventually ended up um you know in the book you talk about just the the practice setups that you kind of strung together out of whatever you could find you know so you could practice you know being a disc jockey or you know practice honing your voice over chops 
the what seemed what seemed like endless workshops through the years you know whether it was for radio or voiceover just working at it working at it working at it just an incredible amount of dedication well this is what i tell people when they ask advice you know i always say it's it's patience and uh, persistence and it's also practice the old joke, the guy stops the woman on the street in New York and says, excuse me, can I, could you tell me how to get to Carnegie Hall? And she says, practice, darling, practice. Uh, that's what you got to do. Um, you know, you keep reading these Cinderella stories in show business. Oh, so-and-so went to a party and met so-and-so, and now he's a big star. And that stuff happens. But 99.9% of the time, I'm convinced you just got to get in the trenches and work your ass off and always be trying to learn uh, your craft in any way that you can. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there really are not any shortcuts, in my opinion. You just got to put in the 10,000 hours, as the fella says. And that's, that's kind of what I did. Yeah, you certainly did. What kept you motivated? Because you went through some lean times, you know, going going through whether it was, you know, driving cross country to, to start your radio career and just basically living out of your car. Um, yeah, to, I only to, slept in my car a few times, but I don't I mean, recommend it. Yeah, I was about to say a few times is still a lot. Yeah. Well, it, um, yeah, I, it was just, and I've talked to other radio guys. They're exactly the same as me. It once it's like a drug. Once it, once I, I, if I was an artist, I should suggest this to my old buddy, Bobby Ocean, who's a well-known disc jockey here in California. And he's a really good artist. He can draw these cartoons. I've often thought picture of a guy with a, tone arm from a record player and probably a lot of people don't even know what that looked like but it had a needle and you used it to play records this is back when dinosaurs roamed the earth but i would show a guy with his with a needle in his arm like a heroin shot of heroin only it's it's instead of the needle it's the the record arm from the record player you, you, it just becomes a compulsion. It takes over your life. Uh, there wasn't a question of if I would succeed. It was I had to succeed. I, I craved this, like air and water. I was very lucky. You know, I knew more or less what I wanted to do from the age of 15. It was just a question of figuring out how the hell to accomplish it. A lot of people never really find their, their bliss, their purpose, their, their mission, you know, my late cousin was talking about it, and she said, I just never had anything that I wanted to do. So she got jobs, and she had a life. And, you know, and that's something that you can't sort of will into yourself. It either happens or it doesn't. But I, I just had to get into the damn business somehow or other and, and, and do it. And fortunately, I was able to. Just, it's, it's such a fantastic story. Again, guys, by, by Neil's book vocal recall there are just so many incredible stories and it's 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 a wild journey there are a lot of people that you name as as people that you know have helped you and, and 
gave you good advice. What is some advice that you've received that you think has helped not just in, in terms of your career, but also in life? Hmm. Well, a couple of things that influenced me, I put it in the final chapter of the book. My wife was studying uh, psychology for a while, and I guess she had some kind of a project. And she said, uh, can you think of any kind of a fairy tale or childhood story that, that was a big influence on you? And I said, no, not off the top of my head. And then a day or so later, something popped into my head. And I said, of course, of course. Why didn't I think of this? It was a story. I think it was from Walt Disney. I don't remember, but it's about a kid who raises a sheep and it happens to be a black sheep which apparently are not desirable in these 4-h shows you got to have a white sheep I, I don't know anything about that but the, he persists he says i don't care this is my sheep and i'm going to raise it and he enters it in the contest he doesn't win a first second or third prize but he does win honorable mention and the mayor at the end makes a speech and says what this young man has demonstrated is that it ain't what you got, it's what you do with what you got. And uh, that really hit me. I, I realize now, and my whole approach to life was I'm, you know, these, these people I'm competing with may be far more talented than I am, but I am going to just work harder than, than they do. And somehow that will make up the difference. And that was my, my feeling right from the get-go. And I must tell you, it's played out in life. I've watched people who had much, much more, much greater gifts than I had. And somehow they stall out and end up not going anywhere because of their, their lack of a work ethic. You know, you can't just sit home on your couch and wait for the world to discover you. You got to get out and present yourself. You got you to gotta work at it. But as I say, I would see these people, they had supreme gifts, but they just, they were, they, they were flaky. They didn't work at it. They squandered these gifts. You know, the, the, there's a guy who was kind of an inspiration to me because uh, going back to the goddamn quote unquote radio announcer thing. There were some DJs before I did it who became very successful in voiceovers, and they were sort of an inspiration to me. It's like, if they can get out of the jock booth and into the voiceover game, maybe I can too. And one of them was Casey Kasem, who I'm sure you've heard of. Absolutely. Uh, I did not know Casey well. I you know, worked with him on a few occasions, seemed like a lovely man. But he started out as a disc jockey, and I must tell you, at that time, I was not that impressed with his work. I was in the business by then. I had heroes, guys who were funny, guys who did this, guys who did that. But arguably, Casey went on to become the most successful disc jockey ever. And, and he did it because he had this work ethic. This is what people have told me. This guy hustled and worked and studied and you know, he, he just had this powerful work ethic and it paid off for him in the end. And a lot of guys who looked down on him and thought they were far more gifted than he was uh, fell by the wayside on, in one way or another because they, they lacked the commitment. So he's, you know, he's a great inspiration to me. So I guess that, that you know, that one story... As far as advice, oh, Lord, you know, people, sometimes they, they weren't even trying to help me and they helped me. You know, <laughs> they would just say something 
And I would go, well, that makes sense. That, that I get, that I get. People ask me sometimes, why don't you become a teacher of voiceovers? And I say, I, because it would be a very short class. <laughs> I would just say, try everything. Whatever anybody suggests, try it. If it doesn't work for you, throw it away. If it does work for you, file it away. And little by little by little, you will eventually develop a technique. It's just a case of, as I say, going in and starting to read a piece of copy, and they're going, no, 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 no. Oh, that was good. That was good. You go, Okay, file that away. That works. And, you know, there's no sort of shortcut to it. You just, you just have to slog away and... It's like learning anything else, you know. You 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 start out lousy, and you you stick with it. You get better. So over the the book is pretty comprehensive in terms of radio voiceover those elements of your life. But I'm curious to know after having read it, what you know, what if anything, what are some of the interests you have outside of of voiceover? Gosh, you know, I'm ashamed to say it. I really don't have hobbies. Uh, in fact, that's, you know, as I, as I reach the twilight of my years, it's like, well, what do you want to do now? You know, you, you, I've kind of reached the point where I don't, I'm not, I don't have to work anymore. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty good shape, but what do I want to do now? And I can't, you know, I, I really can't think of anything. It's, um, kind of embarrassing. I, I do work out on a regular basis. I devote an hour a day to exercise. It's I do it here in the house. I don't go to a gym or anything, but I'm pretty, pretty, <clears throat> I guess if I have a hobby, that's it. That and reading, you know, all the political stuff, <laughs> making myself crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You, me and everybody else. Yeah. But let's let's not get into that. Let's uh, hopefully this will be a politics free podcast. Uh, yeah, for, the uh, world I, needs them. <laughs> yeah, I think we can. I think we can steer clear of that. What has been the biggest challenge for you across your career in terms of just something that you really had to work on? Oh. Just, just about everything, you know. I, I really, I was not welcomed into the radio business with open arms. I right. can assure you, the first uh, real job I got, I fishing around for a compliment. I said to the program director, uh, "What, uh, what? Uh, out of all the people who must have applied for this position, why, why did you choose me?" And he said, "You were the only guy who would work for minimum wage." Yeah, I, re I remember you. You, uh, I, I think somebody maybe even suggested that that might be the only way you get in is just tell me you'll take minimum wage. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you really uh, what it boiled down to for beginners was you have to find somebody who's either stupid enough or desperate enough to put you on the air, and then we'll see what happens after that. But uh, there was a fella who was. God bless him. Uh, his name was Otto Miller, which, you know, was a long time ago. And he was actually a radio guy in San Diego where I was going to high school. And I was lucky enough to get to meet him. And he was a, a lovely guy and he was very patient with me. And he told me a lot about radio. And uh, one of the things that he told me to do was to practice reading aloud from, you know, 
uh, commercials and newscasts, because in those days, that was very important, especially at the smaller stations. There was a lot of live copy, meaning you just read it uh, live in, in the context of your show. And, and then a lot of times you would have to do your own newscasts. And he said, you know, the first couple of jobs you have, they're not going to care if you're funny or a great personality. They're looking for a, somebody who can read a commercial without butchering it so bad that they, they cancel or who can read a five minute newscast without sounding like a blithering idiot. So I would go in the garage where I had this little mock uh, radio set up, and I would uh, devote uh, at least half an hour to an hour a day of reading from the newspaper as though I were a newscaster. Lo and behold, the first job that I got, uh, you know, I handed the guy my tape, my audition tape, demo tape, air check, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't an air check because I'd never been on the air, but it was a fake air check. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll listen to that later. Uh, here, uh, and he thrust some papers into my hand. He says, here's uh, three 60-second uh, commercials and a five-minute newscast. Read it for me. And he settled back behind his desk. And I, I ripped through three 60s and a five-minute newscast with zero mistakes. And he smiled and said, now maybe we've got something to talk about. So Otto was absolutely right. And to this day, it serves me well. A lot of people in the voiceover business, get presented a piece of copy and they're, oh, you know, they're just, and I, you know, I can sight read. You can hand me something right now and I'll start reading it and, and probably it will be error free. I can just somehow look ahead and see where I'm going and I, I, I don't make very many mistakes. And uh, that was what they wanted back then, especially in the smaller operations. Then as the years went by, people started getting in the business who were just not that well educated and they couldn't read live copy. So they started pre-taping everything, which I hated because you could use live copy to kind of inject your personality a little bit, even though you were reading a commercial. You could maybe come up with a funny line that, that made it a little more palatable to the audience. But with everything pre-recorded, you can't do that anymore, which is a shame. So the, that was very helpful in the beginning, and, and it helps me to this day. Well, Neil, thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute honor. Really do appreciate you taking the time. Oh, sure, John. Well, I've enjoyed it. It's, uh, I've had fun. Uh, if I can shamelessly put in one more plug for the yeah, book. Yeah, please do. Yeah, there's a website if anybody's interested. It's uh, neilbook, www n-e-i-l-b-o-o-k dot com which has all the information about it and links if you want to purchase it or if you want to skip that and go directly to amazon just vocal recall by neil ross should get you there there's a print version there's a kindle version there's an audio version which is available at audible vocal recall a life in radio and voiceovers by yours truly end of plug <laughs> Thank you again, Neil. How much is that dog in the window? <laughs> the one with the waggly tail. How much is that dog in the window? <laughs> I do hope that doggie is for sale. I'm a Take a trip to California And leave my poor sweetheart alone 
If he has a dog, he won't be lonesome. And the doggy will have a good home. How much is that dog? Thanks for listening to yet another production of the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. You can find us online at awesomecast.com, O S M C A S T.com, or, you know, wherever you find your podcast, just search for Awesome Cast. You can also find us on the social medias, AwesomeCast at Twitter or on Facebook. Of course, you can also find our wonderful interview guru, the greatest living interviewer, John Robbins at J5IsLive. Or perhaps you'd like to follow our amazing editor, Anna, at AngelDarkFire. Or just me, at It's Basil Time on Twitter. Our theme song is produced by DJ Inabito, and you can find him online at DJInabito.com. And once again... Thanks for listening to the awesome cast. We appreciate you.